This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Uh, welcome to the Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the uh, Melbourne Law Studio inside the Manly Warthog Command Center. And you just have uh, heard the beep has been freed. Um, that's all I'll say about it because it's a family show. And uh, we have a uh, great guest with us today as we do the fourth Thursday of every month. Uh, we talk about our, our great professional ballet dance uh, troupe organization uh, collection of superstars here in our area, which really has become rather um, uh, home in a, in a lot of and, and which is really wonderful because it's been embraced. I'm going to have our guest talk about that. I'm going to have our guest talk about this great fundraiser we've got coming up and some more performances. But um, culture has really taken uh, a real good, uh, uh, I don't know if it roots the word, but found a good, strong home in the city of Alachua. And the Legacy Park uh, facility is going to be featuring, I think, for the second or maybe the third time. My memory fails me. Um, uh, the gala, which is our big fundraiser, which is getting stronger and uh, every every year it seems uh, alike. And so today uh, uh, we've got uh, Emily Pozak with us, who is I don't know if it were not for the Emilys of the world, nothing would get done. Um, uh, these type of people uh, just go about doing things that need to be done and don't wait to be told and don't not do them if they're not in a job description. In fact, I don't even know if there's a job description that could fit our guest today. Uh, but um, I don't want to swell her head. Um, I think perhaps she and I are both fighting uh, the pollen here in the piney woods of north central Florida. I went out to my pick em up truck yesterday and I literally had to turn on the windshield wipers and the um, all that business to see, it literally see to drive down the lane. So Emily, welcome to the, to the show. Uh, it's, uh, always a treat to have you because you're so knowledgeable and, and, uh, I don't know, where would you like to begin? Because it's, uh, it's, uh, really not a line. It's a circle. I mean, we just keep coming back to the same, uh, events and the circle gets bigger every year. I like that little analogy, huh? <laughs> I like it. And I always like coming on your show, Ward, because I feel like I start my morning off with feeling so great about myself. You give me such great. <laughs> well, I do um, like your I do like your uh, entertainment table behind you there. I know. I was going to say my as as twenty twenty two goes, my booze is growing. So, <laughs> um, well, as always, I'm so excited to be here with you today and to talk about Dance Alive and all the exciting things that are happening. And first on our radar is our very famous, very important, don't miss it event of the year, which is Dancing with the Stars, which is the Champagne Gala. So we are gearing up. We are three weeks away from that. And that is happening at Legacy Park in Alachua. 
And it's going to be a just a phenomenal event. I just think that every year, like you said, it gets better and better and better. And this year is just following in the footsteps. So we are super excited. That is on Saturday, March 12th. So we are, I cannot believe next week is already March, but it is. And we're going to be there and it's going to be great. (laughs) And let's talk about what all is included in the event, because it's more than just dancing. It's food. It's yeah, it's it's a whole, it really is a, um, a full event. So prior to this, um, Susanna Petty, uh, who is the chair of the Champagne Gala and Kim and so many members of the community really um, go through their Rolodex and find our stars. That's the first step. And this starts back in the fall, in September and October, and even earlier than that. Um, And we find our local stars and celebrities and we find them, they commit to doing this for Dance Alive and they work with professional dancers and they are paired with one of our professional dancers and they learn a dance very similar to what we see on the famous show, Dancing with the Stars. That model is, is one that we follow. Um, so that's been happening for months. So the stars themselves have been working tirelessly for um, weeks and months on their dances. But the event that will happen on Saturday is a full event. There is, um, there's tables and tickets for purchase. So at your table, you'll be receiving, um, we have beverages, we have wine, we have food from Blue Water Bay, which is just last year, the food, we worked with them last year and they were just, it was so good. I mean, everybody, it just is delicious food. There's a bar, we have an auction and it's just, it's a, it's a full night event. Also Gosha and Ali are there. So after you get to watch the dancers dance, there is a dance floor for everybody to dance with. And it's just a full event. It's so much fun. Um, there's a wine pool, which was a huge hit last year. We've done it for a couple of years, but last year it was just so much fun. We have a, they're all in black bags, so you don't know what you're going to get, but every wine is worth over $15, but we have many that are in the hundreds of dollars. We also have magnums of wine, and for $25, you get to pick a bag, and you get a bottle of wine. It's a win-win for everybody, and it's just, it's so much fun. Last year, we ended up having um, large magnum bottles that were, that we had, and we had put like gold, I put golden tickets in some of the bags and it started to become this like, like Charlie and the chocolate factory, like to try to find these golden tickets. And it was so much fun. So we're excited to do that again. And we're excited to have um, do with studios who will be doing our live stream and our production. So not only are you able to watch the event when you're there, they'll also have screens everywhere. So it'll be, it'll be a full event and lots of fun. And the size when we had it in the rights union was sort of limited to a certain number, but I don't think we got a limit. No. Legacy Park will hold, I mean, just huge huge number of people. Yeah. So we, we, and I know we've talked about it, but when we were coming into, so when 2020 happened, the Champagne Gala of 2020 was really kind of the last event of the season in Gainesville because we did not know what was, what was happening. The pandemic like that next week, the shutdown happened. So that was held at the rights union. Um, had been done there for many years. Um, and when 2021 came, 
when we talked to the rights union, they still had such limitations on their on their space. It was going to be um, 50 people that was including staff and dancers. That was basically just the event. We wouldn't have any guests. <laughs> so um, we we pivoted and we came to Legacy Park, which which we love. We love the city of Alachua. We love Legacy Park. We do Nutcracker Under the Stars there. And it was one of those ideas of, wait, what if we did it here? And it ended up being just so beautiful that it was funny that morning of the event, Kim, Kim and I looked at each other. I said, it has to be here every year. I mean, it just was, the space is so accommodating. You know, the, the location is wonderful. We love being in Alachua. They're so supportive of us. So that's also a big part of it. But so we're going to be there again. Last year we had um, around 400 and it was so it was socially distanced. It was, I mean, it was in the, it was still kind of in that, the falling out of the, you know, we are still, we, we weren't yet that all vaccinated. So we were practicing all of our social distancing and everything that was put in line. Um, but we easily fit 400. So really the sky is the limit. I mean, I think this year we're hoping for 600, but we can handle more and we would love to have more. So. You know, you bring up the pandemic, which uh, hopefully is in the rearview mirror, but uh, yeah. you managed to survive it as a, as an activity. And do fairly well with it in the limits we had to work within. And um, I suppose, and I'm not going out on a limb when I say this year, really will be the first uh, kind of pandemic-free, at least uh, the, the, the odor of it, hanging over the show. I mean, we're all looking forward to returning. Of course, it's called the new normal, but it will be our new normal. And yeah. we're going to go on with our lives and have good fun. And this will be a fantastic activity. Um, the um, part about picking people from the community is so interesting. I'm just going to help out here with the listeners. Um, these people don't really know many times that they're thought of as celebrities. Um, I'm thinking of a couple of people I know I don't want to mention because, uh, but they, I, they, I've always viewed them as celebrities, but these are once a, a doctor, uh, a pediatrician, who goes about her life, doing her job, taking care of children. And she is a celebrity. I mean, everybody knows her, likes her, and she's a big draw, and she's going to have a real good uh, chance at, you know, competing here successfully in the show. That, to me, is what's so interesting about how we wind up with these couples. And in case you're just tuning in, it's a professional dam dancing with an amateur, so to speak. But uh, they practice an awful lot. I think, how many weeks is it, and how many, have you ever calculated that, Emma? It's usually, so... Um... I want to say 15 weeks, but maybe I'm... Yeah, they do. I mean, I would definitely say that all of the dancers are putting in at least probably 60 to 80 hours of rehearsal time, easily, truthfully. I mean, it's, it's, it, is a, it is an undertaking. What I love is um, after the fact, even during, every single star has always said, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. But it's the best thing, and I love it. It's always um, a highlight of of their of their year and their family and their friends. And I think it's great what you said is people. Um, Susanna Petty does a great job of finding people that again they don't think they are celebrities, but they really are. I mean, they are heroes in our community. We have doctors, we have lawyers, we have you know we have so many different walks of life. 
and there's just so they're so important and they're what makes Gainesville. And I also think that's what's really special to Gainesville is it's it's people like this and and it's also a time for them. I think they they feel so supportive, which is really which is really fun too. I mean, it's it's definitely a hard task. I mean, it's it's a lot of work. And I I think that the people that come and they watch the event, they they realize that when they see that and they're like, wow, you know, our our family and friends have really put a lot in into this. Um last year. Um, Dorian Weeby, who won the People's Choice Award, um, you know, it was she she and I were talking after the event and she said, you know, I I thought I had an idea, but I had no idea. But I'm so happy I did it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's it's a really it's a really fun event for that aspect. And it's also just great because I think it's a really fun way to raise funds to support such a an important part of our community, which is Dance Alive National Ballet. Um, the, the company itself has, um, over 15 artists that are from all over the world. I know we talk about it all the time here, but you know, for people who haven't heard us or want to hear it again, they're from all over the world and, um, they're at the top of their profession. Um, we also have so many other parts of Dance Alive that are just so important. Our outreach program <coughs> is, which Kim and Judy, um, the directors of National Ballet have, have been involved with community outreach for over 50 years. Um, I'm lucky to be a, a new part of that. Um, we're doing an outreach program at Alachua at this um, Legacy Park right now. We're offering a free class every week for six weeks, and it has just been unbelievable. It's been amazing. So this fundraiser goes towards not only supporting the company, but supporting the giant umbrella that is the nonprofit of Dance Alive, which is outreach. We provide hundreds of tickets to our veterans to come see our shows. We do a, ma we do a magic of Nutcracker where we bring in the deaf and the blind students from St. Augustine <laughs> to experience dance. And it really is broadening that community impact. So, you know, it's, it's not just, I mean, our professional dancers are so important and they're so vital because they're what makes the company, but the, the, the umbrella of Dance Alive is just so big in our community. I mean, it's just, we do senior, senior moments where we bring dancers to retirement homes where people maybe can't, you know, for whatever reasons, aren't able to go to performances. So it's bringing dance into the community. So this, this fundraiser for us is just so important because it's what, it's what keeps us going. It's a huge part of our, of our year. And so we put a lot of work and a lot of effort into it, but it's really for a great cause, which I also think is super important. Two things I want to talk about here while we got a moment is one, you've been kind of uh, um, understating your role in that uh, teaching there with the small dancing students. And you also teach on the University of Florida dance faculty, I understand. So you've got a lot of experience you bring. Talk about the kids and how they come and what they get excited about. Of course, not all of them is going to make it to the big time, but nevertheless, there's an awful lot to learn and gain from being in that experience, right? Right. Yeah. It's it's what's so um, amazing is Kim and Judy when I met with them. So I've been lucky. I've danced professionally. I have my undergrad and. Um, dance from the University of Florida. I have my master's in arts and medicine, and that's where I kind of really got interested in how dance can affect multiple communities of people. Um, and what what does dance look like out of a, out of a dance studio setting? And I've spent a lot of time developing programs. And when I when I joined Dance Alive, 
I was so lucky because they, they recognized and they understood and they respected um, what I do and what I believe in. It also falls in line with what Dance Alive believes. And, they, and they've done so many programs. But this new program that we're starting, Dance About, um, we approached um, the city of Alachua and Mike um, Radiant Credit Union, who's also in Alachua as a supporter of this. And I said, I want to bring dance to everybody. I want to be able to provide a dance class setting to, to anybody who would like to join. Because what we don't realize in our world is one, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of things that, allow, that don't allow students to come to dance. And it's not always financial, but a lot of times it is. I mean, a, a going any extracurricular activity is cost money. And, you know, in the world that we're living in, our new normal, as you called it, is people are still really, you know, some of us came out very lucky and other people are really fighting to, you know, stay above, stay above water. And so something like an extracurricular activity just sometimes doesn't fit in families' budgets. Another, um, a big, another big problem with that is also just the time and the availability um, you know, parents that don't work a regular school hours. Um, so this is something that happens after school. It's at four o'clock and it's free to the community and it's at Legacy Park, which already has a lot of foot traffic in general from after school um, children that come. And it's just been so heartwarming. Um, we've had, we advertised through all the elementary schools in Alachua. This, the um, Alachua School Board was really supportive and allowed us to do that. And, you know, the first day I always get a little nervous when I start these new programs because you never know. I mean, you don't know. And I was so happy to see all these smiling faces come in and we're getting ready to be in our last week next week. So we're finishing our six weeks and every single student that started has stayed. We have no really? Yeah. Nobody has stopped and already it is, can we keep going? What do we do? I mean, so it's, it's been so rewarding and we have a mix of students about probably half of my students have never danced. And they said, I've always wanted to dance, but never got to, or, you know, I was too nervous to, and, and it's so heartwarming to just see their, their face light, light up. And like you said, not everybody is going to go and be a professional dancer. It's just like, when you're growing up and you're playing <clears throat> basketball or baseball and not everybody is going to go and go to the NBA or go to the major leagues, but you learn so much from your time. I think in extracurricular activities, um, it's a really positive space for our, our, our community members, which I think is a really big part of it. And then, you know, just of course the, all the dance portions of it, the coordination, the, you know, strength, oh, yeah, the balance, you know, the balance, the balance. Tell you. And, you know, oh, one, yeah. of, one of the students is so sweet. Her mom is actually one of the basketball coaches um, out at Legacy Park. And she was like, I really want her to play basketball, but she really wants to dance. And she did say, she said, this is so good for her, even for basketball, like oh, yeah. her balance or coordination and all of that. So it's been really fun to open that up and bring that into the community, which is just, it's just so, it's just so important. And it just, it, it makes such a big impact. I think what's so great is, um, you know, years later with these community programs, people reflect on those. You know, I, I always see, I just not too long ago got a message from a student that I had taught about 10 years ago in a community program. They're now in high school. And they said that they wrote about their community dance program <laughs> in college essay. 
you know, yeah. and it was like, you know, it, it really does have a long, a long-term effect. So we're really excited about that. And we're really excited for all of those things. And, you know, I think the gala being at legacy park is also just so exciting because it really is a full circle. And like you said, the circle just gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> well, you know, we're talking about Emily Pozak, who's, as you can see, enthusiastic and full of energy and, and talent and, and, and is a great coach and teacher. So uh, all wrapped up in one, and we're awfully fortunate to have her associated with Dance Alive National Ballet. But she made a point a minute ago that is so true for yours truly. Um, I was sort of tapped on the shoulder years ago and said, hey, you know, you ought to be in Dancing with the Stars. And, of course, you know, first thing you learn is um, you think you can dance, but when you dance with a professional dancer, you have no idea what dance really is. And so you practice a lot to try to keep up with the dancer the professional and the professional in my case kind of dumbed herself down to accommodate me no doubt and and you have fun but it stays with you uh you're you're actually introduced into a culture um and i really mean culture this is not this is a very sophisticated culture you know i've said this before emily i've talked about it with you it takes centuries to develop uh art and a lot of these dancers and ukraine right now is on my mind because we have dancers who have been with us from Ukraine. We have dancers who've been with us from Moscow. Uh, we've had dancers with us from Brazil, uh, Cuba. Uh, and they come here because they love America. And uh, they want to be citizens. Several of them have become citizens. And they want to become citizens the right way, what they call the right way. They, they go through all the teaching and instruction it requires because they come here. They've been all over the world. Uh, dancing in places like Japan and Turkey and you name it, they've been there. Andy Alabadon has even danced in the middle of the Amazon forest, rainforest, which was a fascinating story. But but uh, it's more than just the moment you experience dancing with the partner. You are introduced into a culture. And it's a very sophisticated culture. Um, they all have different languages, for example, but they manage to communicate with English as a common kind of uh, some of them better than others, but uh, dance is the universal language. They don't have to be a verbal a communication. Uh, in fact, verbal communication is banned in dance. That's what's so interesting to me about it, Emily. You have to express it through the gestures of the face and the movements of the body, and you can't allow you can't you're not allowed to talk about it, which I think is so interesting. Uh, let's 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 talk about this next production we've got coming up. Uh, I think it'll be the final one of the season. Will it not? Let's let's talk about that one for a moment. It will be back at the Phillips Center. It is. This is one that Karina <laughs> Karina Verana is happening on March 25th and 26th. Um, and you know what is so amazing about this production is it is uh, we work with live. Um, we have live live vocalist as well, so it is a it is a full a full production. It is not just dance. Not that that's not enough. That is always enough. But um, we also have a maestro, and it's just it's just amazing. And it is a phenomenal and very intense um, ballet, and it is just. It, it, it is a way to end the season. I'll tell you that. It's going to be just, it's just really, really, really great. It's something about having live music with dance and live that the, the live vocals is just so powerful. I mean, it just, 
it, it wraps you in and it's just, it's been amazing. And what's really neat about um, this, this show, this, this ballet is they've actually done it many times. Um, I don't know off the top of my head, the exact date. I know one of the first, I know for sure they did it, I think in 1981. Um, but star Bradbury, who is on our board, is yeah. also a star in Dancing with the Stars, which she has a great name for that. Right. She was in one of the productions of Karina Barana as one of the other dancers like 25 years ago. And it's we, we, there's all these stories in the community of people remembering going to see it. And, and you know, it's coming back and it's just, it's one of, it's, Kim is just a choreographic genius and it, this is no, this is no exception to that. I mean, it's, it's just, it's phenomenal. It is a, um, something that I think what is so great about dance alive national ballet and what is so remarkable about what Kim Tuttle has done is this is a level of quality that you would see in New York city, this show. I mean, all the shows, but this one is just, you will forget you are in Gainesville, Florida. I mean, it really is. It, 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 you, could be at the, you could be at the Kennedy Center easily. And I think that's what is just, um, it's just so amazing. I mean, I think that sometimes, you know, people sometimes associate without, because we're not in a major big city, that, they, that it's not going to be that quality. And it's the opposite. I mean, we, we took the dancers, the dancers went to New York city. Um, I think it was, it was right. And it was at the end of 2019 and to perform for some critics. And they were the only one that got standing ovations. I mean, next to the major companies of, of these major cities and the, the dance company from Gainesville was, was the one that stole the show, you know? So if anybody is, I was, I met with someone not too long ago and they said, well, I, you know, I used to live in New York and, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm a kind of a ballet snob. And I said, well, I will bet you money <laughs> that you will, that you will eat those words. And, uh, and I know they will. I mean, and that's, that's what's so amazing is it's just such high caliber of work from, from everything, from the costumes, from the sets, from the production. I mean, it's, there is, this is all just so high quality. And so it's definitely something that should not be missed the tickets have always sold out. I guarantee you they'll sell out again. So definitely put that on your calendar for March 25th and 26th to see that. And show. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, there's nothing like experiencing the ballet in harmony with the choir, the big university choir and the orchestra in the pit. And uh, it's really, it's really, I think, most cultured show we have in the city. Uh, in the community here of, of, of North Central Florida. We also, of course, go to other places and perform, somewhat that's been limited by COVID, but uh, this is a traveling show as well. It goes to South Florida. It goes up into, uh, I believe, the Carolinas. It's been known to go to the Midwest uh, so when things are conducive to doing that. So, uh, But these dancers are they could really dance with any organization they want to dance with. What they like about this one uh, for me interviewing them and talking to them is that they don't have to go through a long committee interview and, you know, cuts and then maybe the next time around. Kim Tuttle has the ability to take one look at you and decide if you have it, what it takes to dance for her. 
And that's a real gift that great coaches and teachers have. And uh, it's, that word has gotten out that you can come and if Kim approves, uh, uh, and lots of times, I, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Emily, but uh, she's taken dancers that other dancers have recommended sight unseen because she trusts those dancers' judgment. Mm -hmm. And and that's been, that's really something. So um, we have dancers here from Cuba and, and, um, um, and uh, you know, as I say, uh, Europe, all over that, those parts. So um, it's, it's, it's an international, I really always joke that it should be Dance Alive International Ballet, but um, it's really more than just national, but, and, you know, national will work for now. It's certainly not local because <laughs> it's yeah. composed with so many people from all over. We've been talking with Kim Posick. She's been um, kind enough to loan her time to us here for this half hour and the fourth Thursday of um, each month when we uh, like to keep you up to date on what's going on with the arts and in particular Dance Alive National Ballet, which is going to have a big month here coming up, coinciding with spring, of course, it's Legacy Park Fundraiser, which is a um, great show and, 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 and fun time. And then of course, this uh, last production, which would take place a couple of weeks later, which is something, uh, premier event, I would have to say in the whole community for the year in terms of art. Um, there are a lot of things that go on here, uh, uh, of course, we have the art festival and that, but this is uh, employing several different types of artists down to the costumes, as you were talking about, and all that's involved, um, even stage hands and lighting techniques and all that's employed and timed perfectly. So um, we um, anything you want to give us for the good of the day here before we take our bottom of the hour break, Emily? Yeah, well, I would just say thank you so much, of course, for supporting Dance Alive and having us on the show. I know we always appreciate it. For information about the Champagne Gala, you can go to champagnegala.org, uh, which will have everything. It'll have the tickets. It'll have the live stream. If you're not able to come, watch it. Watch it the night of. You can watch it live. Also, our auction will be up soon. If you're not there, you can still bid on our silent auction. We have some amazing things happening that will be on silent auction. We have a lot of local artists who have donated some work, um, as well as we have trips and lots of fancy booze, all the things. <laughs> uh, and then information for Dance Live in general can be found at dancealive.org. Um, also, you can find information about the gala there, but that's where you can find information about our upcoming shows, our outreach programs we just talked about, and all of those things. You can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram under Dance Alive. And I just am so excited for the month of March. It's gonna be it's gonna be one that we will not forget. I know that. Well, thanks for visiting with us, and we'll put those links up. I think production can put those up on the screen here in a minute when we take our break. And. Uh, uh, wish you have a good day and, uh, you know, good luck with the party. I'm going to do my best with it. <laughs> Always good to see you. And I hope you have a great rest of your show. Okay. Thank you so much. Right. We're going to break at the bottom of the hour here for our sponsors and our donations and our supporters. And we'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. This is Ward Scott. And I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, Large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, RR Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, 
and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. If your brains were lard, you couldn't grease a small frying pan. <laughs> to call you stupid would be an insult to stupid people. Octon, octon, the papers are not in order. Step out of the line and report to the inspection station. We are going to search your belongings. Much schnell. Uh, Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files here in the Melbourne Law Studio. And I, I, I hope that um, uh, some of you free to beat people are happy now. Uh, if you listen carefully there, the beep has been freed. And uh, in the name of uh, um, pleasing our, our listeners. So there you are. It is funny. But, uh, and we appreciate your interest in the show. Um, that's a lot of National Ballet. Of course, is a very special activity here for us. And I hope that you uh, take an interest in what we talk about here uh, with, the, with the activity. So, um, We've got a world that's going on right now that we need uh, to, to, to traffic through as tougher as we can. So I've arranged for a, uh, a longtime favorite to be on the show tomorrow. We'll actually do the show tomorrow from our studio in the Steve Springer Grill uh, with Ramsey Samurai, who is a former State Department official and advisor to uh, President Bush. Uh, on nuclear non-proliferation. Um, what more timely show can we have than to have Ramsey join us uh, and we'll just chat uh, for a while about his take on the world and what's going on from his, his perspective, which is a, a pretty you know, significant perspective given his experiences and um, um, his um, role as advisor to the president and his connections throughout the world. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to having um, uh, him on the show and hear what he has to say and, and, um, and where we go from here. It, it seems, you know, kind of bleak in a lot of ways. We have this aggressor and of course the question comes up, what do you have acted this way had Trump been in office? Um, is he acting this way because he thinks Biden is weak uh, and can't do anything and won't do anything and mumbles and stumbles? And, and you know, he's already Putin has already come in and, and taken Crimea. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it's 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 uh, you know, the question is, where do you stop? And then on the other side of Russia, of course, you have uh, China. And um, recently, just before Putin made his move, of course, he, he met with the Chinese leaders. And so there's no doubt that the Chinese leaders uh, know what he's up to. Whether or not the Chinese and the Russians get along, um, it doesn't seem to be all that uh, 
possible given their past, but uh, um, we'll let Ramsey talk about that some. So if you have some questions in mind about these types of things on the international stage, be sure to come in tomorrow, tune in, put them on Facebook, a chat here, or the Melton Law Hotline, which is 352-325-3938. And uh, we can take a, a look at the, the, what comes across the <coughs> ticker tape of Melton Law Hotline. Still fighting the, uh, uh, you know, the pollen world here. So you'll have to bear with me. I'll do as best I can. Um, there's a lot of discussions about uh, why Putin is behaving the way he is, of course. And, um, you know, I, I just have been looking at him myself, trying to figure out um, how the world is viewing this. And to give you a little bit of a kind of a, sm a smorgasbord summary of this, uh, um, you know, the whole idea of the Cold War being over has um, been the, the, the norm for quite a while. They thought finally things had come to rest in, uh, in um, Europe and uh, things were going to settle down and uh, these countries would develop their own uh, organizations or government organizations, and et cetera. And that uh, this whole saber rattling, iron curtain type thing uh, really had been dismantled by Reagan and Gorbachev working together. Uh, uh, I never will forget the day that Reagan said, uh, uh, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. And I thought, well, that ain't going to happen. And it sure as heck happened. But um, and I think Gorbachev caught a lot of flack for that from internally. So uh, it was seen as returning Russia to Russia instead of causing, calling it the Soviet Union. And um, towns returned to their original names. Uh, you know, towns have been renamed and after Lenin and Stalin and those sort of things, sort of the things we got going on here. Um, we really, in many people's observation, are traveling, uh, if the progressive left has its way, uh, toward doing the same thing that the communists did uh, to, to Russia. And that is transform its names, transform its history, transform its literature, uh, its culture into a, a communist uh, uh, um, you know, way of life. And, and, and a lot of people feel that's what we're moving toward here if we don't confront it. And uh, the confrontations are met with uh, government resistance and confrontations in these communist countries have been met with government resistance. Uh, so now um, it's an interesting take if you take him at his word. Putin says, well, I just want a couple of sections of of uh, Ukraine that were always Russia to begin with. Uh, of course, we'll get Ramsey's comments on this tomorrow, hopefully. But, um, um, you know, I just like to have them back. And, and uh, it'd be kind of like, I'm trying to think of what it would be like here. Uh, you know, you know, once upon a time, Gilchrist County was part of Alachua County. Uh, so maybe, maybe we just go take Gilchrist County back. And um, then we take half of Alachua County and take it off of Alachua County. Right now it's called Springs County and it will become, uh, you know, a new county. Um, this ought to give you a little indication of what kind of uh, bureaucratic struggle that would be here locally even, uh, given the kinds of dialogue and conversation and, and military might that's involved with this takeover, alleged takeover of just these two sections of Ukraine, which used to be, of course, according to Putin, Russian. Um, 
You know, uh, Saddam Hussein claimed the same thing. And this started that war when he claimed that Kuwait was originally part of Iraq. And if you go back far enough, he's right. Uh, the British carved off a little bit of Iraq to have its own port there and in that oil rich area back when nobody was paying much attention to the Middle East. Uh, you can read Lawrence of Arabia and some of these seven pillars of wisdom and some other works that talk about it. And um, uh, and, and so Hussein says, what the heck? You know, it was really mine, ours, and we have to have national identity and we're entitled to have that which was ours. And so by military might, uh, he wanted to take back Kuwait. Um, that was really the, the thing that I think, you know, we needed an excuse. Uh, so we had an excuse that he had weapons of mass destruction, which remains to this day debatable. But it was the excuse that the first Bush used to go ahead and uh, liberate, if you will, Kuwait. And then the question became with General Schwarzkopf whether or not while we're liberating Kuwait, marching towards, um, you know, the, the, the core of, of Iraq, Baghdad, uh, you know, do we, how much of it do we take over or we do, do we just liberate? And, uh, you know, it, it became a tactical error when uh, in the tent there, um, the Iraqi uh, generals asked General Schwarzkopf if it was okay if they flew their helicopters in no-fly zones and Schwarzkopf said, yeah, what the heck, no problem. And that became a way in which uh, they put they stamped out what we thought would be finished by the Kurds. We were going to use the Kurds as our surrogates to go ahead and finish off bringing down uh, the remnants of, of the uh, uh, Saddam Hussein government. And uh, that because we felt that, you know, the Kurds had never had a country and had been mistreated by the Iraqis. So let's let them handle everything and we'll support them. Yeah, if I were somebody who was going to be supported by the United States, I'd be damn sure wary. Take a look at Afghanistan. And I will assure you, I will assure you that by, uh, Biden's blunder in Afghanistan has had something to do with Putin's emboldenment. He took a look at Biden's uh, military uh, expertise in Afghanistan and said, what in the world? He has to have done that. What in the world is that bumbling idiot doing running a nation? He won't stop me. And he can't even withdraw his own people. And he's left on the ground in Afghanistan. All this military equipment, hardware that we paid for, uh, sitting there. And, 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 you know, it had to have influenced Putin. He said, this guy's got no resolve. He's got no, he's just a blunderbuss. And indeed, if you go back and examine the congressional record of all the various versions of Biden that there are historically, I mean, he has been whatever the chameleon background color he needed to be. You know, when it was war, he was for war. When it was peace, he was for peace. Uh, when it was advantageous to be racist, he was racist. And when it was advantageous to be, uh, 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 you know, all the things he did, I mean, he just floundered around and, and, and uh, you can go look at the congressional record and see what he was like. And so he comes out of the basement and he becomes the president and that all becomes rather, you know, questionable. And you can't question it because uh, the little techies have decided that that, for whatever reason, uh, I, 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 it still bewilders me 
uh, and I, 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 why they get involved in taking sides in um, and the questions, honest to God questions that people have. Um, uh, and so they censor, they've been censored us. And, um, and so we have a situation that in many ways is like what you know, goes on in dictatorships and in countries like that. We have a very good example with Trudeau and the truck on convoy where um, now uh, people view Canada as this oppressive dictatorship led country that freedoms are taken away and, and um, people don't have the right in this and that one and other. So we've always th thought of Canada as a place you could go to and escape all this stuff and live ba basically uh, an individualist life. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Of course, they've had standardized na uh, national medicine all this time. So, you know, that should be maybe a clue. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting that uh, we've reached this place where um, um, it looks as if Putin is really um, outfoxing the West. And uh, he's willing to take risks um, that he might not have taken had there been a, a different president of the United States. It's all kinds of you know, indications of that. Um, he has um, um, largely been kind of, according to any way, uh, analysis by Walter Russell Meade, largely, largely been misunderstood or, not, or taken lightly uh, by leaders in the West um, who uh, uh, have become distracted by their own internal squabbles over gender and race and all these things that Putin has been observing rather humorously. Boy, if they're that confused internally about their own little domestic arguments, they don't have a clue what I'm up to. And they don't have the national will to do anything about it because they're arguing among themselves over such things as climate change and uh, things of that nature, which don't mean a damn thing to me. And um, so he's a gambler. Uh, he's, uh, he takes risks and he's got a cool head and he observes and uh, he takes calculated risks and weighs the odds. Um, and uh, he, he sets out to impose his will on what he sees as weak uh, responses. Um, so and he also clearly from some people's analysis anyway, watch these things, longs for the old Soviet Union. He is not, and I don't know how much support he has internally for this among his own people, but maybe they long for the old Soviet Union. I, I don't know. He claims there's people in Ukraine who long for the Soviet Union, and he just wants to free them and bring them back to the old Russia. Um, so uh, we, we don't know. He, he, we know he's very skilled. He is, uh, he is rather ruthless and um, uh, unopposed. So um, we've had a couple of guys try to oppose him and what's happened to them. And, uh, they've gotten a mysterious jab with the umbrella and died or damn near died. So there's nobody really to challenge him. Uh, any kind of dissident or any kind of uh, um, you know, dissent for him is done away with. We're doing the same thing here. Any kind of dissent with the national narrative, which is being driven by uh, the progressive left uh, in cahoots with the media, is met with uh, the woke generation response. And that is to say that they set out to ruin businesses.
they set out to ruin uh, uh, people. Uh, if they disagree or raise red flags, they don't let certain speakers on campuses. Uh, they don't hire a particular um, um, faculty. Uh, it goes on and on. And we've been reporting on it on the show for, for quite some time now. Um, so Russia has been obviously, too, a source of energy uh, for Europe, and that is through natural gas. And, um, and I don't think that uh, Putin cares one hoot about, nor does China, about our concern about uh, climate change, which is being expressed by uh, children like Alexander Ocasio-Cortez. She reminds me of a little kid that somehow, some way, got power, you know, and it, well, she wasn't ready for it. She's not mature enough for it, but that's the way it works. And there she is, he's running her yak and making a big noise and is basically very immature. Putin watches this. I mean, he, he sees that the, uh, her awareness of real geopolitical strategies, uh, it, it has really has to be at the neophyte level. Um, he's uh, not concerned at all about her rhetoric and uh, probably views her as somebody who is a, uh, um, should be seen and not heard, you know? So the fact, you know, what remains is, and we'll talk this over hopefully tomorrow, is, you know, what, 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 what really is the, the resolve of the West? And what real power does the West have in, 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 in confronting, if Putin decides to go beyond this, go into Germany, if he decides to, you know, is there anything really? You know, this would be a very good lesson for those who have think they understood Hitler and think that Trump is like Hitler and all this stuff. Well, let's see what they think about Putin. Uh, let's just run a couple of scenarios. Let's say Putin keeps going to the West. Uh, when will the line be drawn and what price will the world pay to confront him uh, in, a, in a nuclear charged world where the, 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 the damages are much more severe? Uh, than they would have been 10, 15, 20 years ago that uh, people can do to each other. Um, we're not even talking about technical shutdowns of communication systems, which is a, a, another uh, uh, possibility here. Um, you know, this is so much of a, uh, on the mind of somebody like Daniel Henniger that he, he thinks the Democrats really should lose if the nation's going to have any kind of hope of recovering from its internal childish squabbles, he thinks they should they should lose in the fall. Um, and and the thing he's using as a as a kind of um, uh, possible litmus test for this is the school board uh, uh, behavior that I reported on yesterday in San Francisco, where uh, a very progressive city decided to kick those school member board members off who were progressives because uh, the parents had just had too much. I have come to believe that, you know, something like the Alachua County Commission, it, it's, a, it's a dud. It's a wet firecracker, nothing going on there. <clears throat> but the school board is where it's going on. And the parents are going to go in there and they're going to force a crisis here. Uh, if it's anything like San Francisco. And I suppose San Francisco is even more liberal than Alachua County is. And if that's the case, 
then uh, if you have somebody on the Alachua County School Board who's pushing uh, this stuff about critical race theory and all these things we've talked about, they're going to kick those people off. Um, they're going to if 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 the indicator is the same as it is in San Francisco, and only time will tell. But um, the whole the whole thing here is Penninger uh, suggests it's time to cancel the cancel culture. Uh, the cancel cancel culture has destroyed careers and businesses and reputations, and uh, it is it is absolutely going to ruin the nation. And it's time to uh, cancel the cancel culture. Um, uh, he's got all sorts of examples. Uh, you know, you know, you don't have enough uh, black artists in the museum. You got too many white artists. Uh, um, I have a friend who has a, uh, co a college son who worked his way through part of his job in the college was to work in the library. And he was to go through the library and count the number of books that um, diversity inclusion would okay and the ones that they wouldn't and tabulate that and give it to the head librarian. Um, you know, we've had, as Henninger says, we've had the erasing of names like Lincoln and Washington and uh, they've been they've been called racist presidents and uh, the woke culture has gone after them. Uh, this is all similar to what communists do. And um, so this whole phenomenon in of kicking these three school board members off gives some kind of hope that there's going to be a rebound here in this course corrected, um, uh, some sort of common sense balance, he calls it. Um, the, you know, as I said yesterday, the Democrat Party is not your grandma's Democrat Party. Um, I know a guy in town, I mentioned him yesterday, he watches the show, good man, he's a Democrat gives it blindly and, and prolifically to any Democrat candidate. And I have to counsel him and say, listen, you know, you just gave it to a progressive Democrat. You just gave it to a liberal Democrat. <clears throat> I mean, there's a big difference. Uh, the progressive Democrats are running the Democrat Party. They're beyond the liberal Democrats. And the regular common sense Democrats don't have any power at all. <clears throat> so, um, you know, you, you, you have this uh, type of thing that's going on and maybe the school board will be the focus of, of a confrontation of it. Um, it's, uh, it remains to be seen that whether these, these issues like identity, uh, race, gender, uh, uh, whether they will become liabilities for the Democrat Party in the fall um, um, and whether or not people have had enough of coercion and uh, ostracizing and uh, all the things that happen to you if you don't agree with uh, this progressive uh, uh, ideology. Um, I, I, I think I probably spell it out for you as well as anybody. I don't know where else you could have it spelled out for you in this community. Um, paper doesn't do it. Um, channel, the news, TV can't do it. You tune in here and I can do it. I'm the professor, I can help you understand it. I don't know if I can do anything about it, but I can, I can help you understand it. And it remains to be seen, um, you know, whether the fall, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that it's interesting the candidates that are lining up for the city of Gainesville election in the fall. Uh, we might have a little bit of change, but, you know, we've had a couple of guys on there before who were supposedly going to help out and they've been duds. Um, they were Republicans. They didn't get anything done. And uh, and, and so, um, you know, it's very tough with that seven member board. 
if you had a five-member board, you could make a big change if you changed out two people. But you change out two people on a seven-member commission, you don't change out much. So, um, you know, it'll, be, it'll remain to be seen how much can get done. Uh, and I'm keeping my eye on the city of Gainesville election. Um, it's, a, it, it's kind of interesting. And, um, and, of course, the school board. The school board is enormously interesting. And it's coming up with a discussion that could be very explosive uh, as of March 1st, as I understand it, which is right around the corner. So um, let me check my time and see how we're doing. Uh, we've got about four or five, two or three minutes. Anything you want to say, you're on cheap. Uh, um, um, let me see the chatting here. <coughs> um, the... Uh, um, well, the drama is before us, and we'll probably uh, have a pretty good discussion about it tomorrow. And I hope you tune in. We're going to advertise the show later today uh, over the uh, Facebook network. And, of course, you can view this show in just a little bit. It will be put up. We're, we're putting it up through Vimeo now because of the behavior of YouTube and ostracizing us. Uh, we put it out on wordscottfiles.com, and uh, hopefully we get it so it appears first. And, uh, and then it goes out to Spotify and uh, um, Apple Podcasts so you can hear it. And um, we keep, keep circulating the notes in the bottle that way. So um, tune in tomorrow and um, uh, uh, take notes. I think you'll, you'll have, we'll have a pretty good discussion. I want to uh, thank um, uh, Emily Pozak for coming by. Um, do pay attention to what's going on with the Dance Alive. It's an exciting organization. And it's got some exciting activities coming up that uh, we encourage you to participate in. Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.